Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's Advent, and I am so excited. You've probably heard me say this many times before. If you've been a long-term friend of Trending, I love the Advent season. I feel as if we've been a little chipped this Advent, though, because it is an extremely short Advent season. Barely, barely, just over three weeks here. And this is a season that is like Lent, but not. It's a time of preparation for the coming of Christ at Christmas. And with that preparation comes a season of penance, comes a season of purging out of our lives, those things that are getting in the way of our relationship with God, of us preparing for our death and final judgment, entering into the kingdom of heaven, preparing to receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist as we do every time we go to Mass, but preparing to make a place for Him at Christmas. All the joy of the Christmas season even warms the hearts of people who have no religion or left their religion, their faith many years ago, Yet the light of Christ is still there sparking intrigue and sparking in particular hope. Now, this is something I love as we look to these first weeks of Advent. We, maybe you grew up with it, that Advent wreath that you have in church that's lit by the priest. It's become a part of the liturgy over the centuries. And it may have even been a part of your home or is now, or maybe it's something you've always wanted to do. It's not too late. Just like Lent, you can't ever start. Maybe you didn't start Lent at the beginning, but you can start at some point as time goes on if you got on a little late. And Advent's one of those things. Pick up your Advent wreath. That's something you're interested in. But one of the things I love with our Advent wreath is how each and every single week of Advent has a theme to that candle. And this week is hope. So joining me today on Trending is Father Nathan Cromley. We're going to dive into the very meaning and depth of Advent along with focusing on that theme as we kick off this Advent season of hope and anticipation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father Nathan Cromley is the the founder and president of the St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries. Eagle Eye Ministries has been extremely formative for me and my formation. And St. John Institute is a great network where Father Nathan builds up Catholic leaders to take ownership in their professional lives and family life. You can find him and his work at St. John Institute. We'll post a link on social media as well as on the episode notes. Father Nathan Cromley, welcome back to Trending. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you, Timory. Thanks for having me on. Hope is always an interesting topic to me, especially as I ponder it that this beginning of the Advent season, I find a lot of people, Father Nathan, kind of have this, I'm optimistic, optimistically hopeful type of mindset, almost as if they're just throwing it out there, as some people talk about karma today, as if it's going to bring good things back to them. But we know as Catholics that Hope is one of the three theological virtues, and we can dive into much of what hope is, but I'd love to just kick it off with maybe a starting reference for what hope is. 
Well, hope, <laughs> hope uh, Timory, is what's going to keep us going in today's world. And it's going to make us shine like the stars that we're supposed to be in the midst of this generation, which is why I want to talk about it. Because, if, you know, the context we live in today is one where people feel overwhelmed. They feel anxious. That's why it's so neat to hear tr- that hope is trending with Timory, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it is. It's, it, it totally is. It, it, it's what needs to be trending. Because the more that our world becomes focused on what's material and overwhelmed by its own problems, the more that hope is is like a fresh breath of air that just comes in and brings oxygen back to our humanity again. So what I would say really what hope is, we can get into it you know, in a bit here, but what, it, the first thing is, it's the most practical of all things because hope is the guardian of the life of love. If you want your love to stay alive, you need to protect it in hope. That's very profound. The guardian of the life of love. And you can look at it from many facets, from that relationship with God, first and foremost, and that belief that you are even have the possibility of the love, the life, and the kingdom of come that he offers, but even in your relationships. And I think even in relationships, a lot of people have lost hope today. And I think ultimately it's because they don't have hope in God first. Absolutely. Yes. And and to build on that, that when you think of what a hope in God means, when we discover God, Timory, we discover the, the end goal of all that we are. We discover the purpose and the meaning of our life in its most you know wonderful and rich sense. Someone who's got a relationship with God, in other words, is going to have a depth to their life that's beautiful. And, it, and it's like a flower that unfolds in love for other people and love for their family and creative energy and excitement and, and the celebration of life because we're living out loud. We're living the person we're supposed to be. Well, so then if you put hope into that perspective, you say hope in God, well, what it means is that even in situations where I feel like there, there, there's no way to that fullness or where I feel like I've been defeated by this or that or that there's roadblocks along my path, I pursue love anyway. I let the love of God push me out of my despair, despondency, and defeat uh, on a pathway of the celebration of life. That's why hope is the guardian of the life of love, because hope keeps warm in my heart the fire that says, I'm made for a life, and that, that, that life is for me, and that life is laid up for me in God and given to me by my Savior, Jesus Christ. When we tie this into the theological virtue, Father Nathan, of hope, that theological virtue that we know is an absolute gift, like you can't just attain it on your own. I, can you maybe break down those two different sides of hope? One that is is practical, that we can exercise, and the other that's an absolute gift. Well, you know, it, the way it works is that uh, the the gift that is given to us in God is Jesus. So Jesus in my soul, right, it lives. And so if Jesus brings, you know, me or Jesus lives in union with the Father and union with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is in my soul, then I too am given access through Jesus to the life of God. So what does that look like practically? How do I access that life of Christ? Well, it's when I choose to live myself, right? So that Jesus is in me, but he doesn't replace me. So he says, I want you to make an act of hope. 
I want you to dare something great. I want you to struggle against sin. I want you to try for something that's hard. And when you do that, you're like, well, it's really hard for me to forgive my enemies. Or it's hard for me to hold up my head up high when I feel so defeated by my life. Or it's hard for me to embrace this diagnosis that I was just given from the doctor. Whatever it could be. And and there's multiple things that will happen every single day. But when you say, I'm going to face it, I'm going to turn and face that fear. I'm going to face that defeat. I'm going to face that negative energy, whatever it is. At that moment, Jesus comes to your help and he exerts his strength through you. So you, we make a human act of hope, which is called confidence and trust as we exert ourselves towards something that's hard. And Jesus then exercises his power through us by bringing to life the theological virtue of hope. So you kind of have the two wed side by side. You have the human virtue of hope, which is called courage in the face of difficulty. And you've got the theological virtue that comes to, well, to, to bring its full power to bear at that moment. And that, that's the, the power of Jesus to trust in God, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances when human hope could even fail. So humanly, you could say, oh, I'm 30 and I've never found a husband. I never will. And it's like overwhelms you, right? You're like, I'm not, it's the end of my days. I, I have no hope that this will ever happen again. Yeah, but that's human hope. At that moment, if you choose to lean in on Jesus and face that same circumstance, holding your head up high with the strength of Christ, well, God will bury you through that circumstance like a victor instead of someone who's defeated. And that's done by the theological virtue of hope beyond human hope. But it's always done with that same demand, Timory. We have to be strong and courageous and face our fears. To see the connection of how the two are intertwined together, there is human effort, whether you mentioned confidence, trust, or as you said, that virtue of courage, acting in the face of fear, that strength that's there, that that's when God is infusing in you at the same time through the life of grace, the hope that is so necessary, that theological virtue of hope, which it makes me think, Father Nathan, if you're just joining me, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Happy Advent. It's the first week of Advent and that first candle on the Advent wreath, if that's been part of your tradition or you maybe see it at Mass, but it's rarely commented on, even though there are all these candles lit up on the altar, that first candle represents hope. Now, Father, when I think of hope, I often think of the words from 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. And every time I hear that, I've always loved that line. And I remember some years ago, someone said, well, what does that mean to you? Because I had it written up on a board in my house. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And to me, it's simple. It's Jesus. We keep our focus on Jesus and he is the cause of our hope. He's the cause of our joy. And yet sometimes that seems overly simplified to some people. But I think when you start to see the the human effort that is necessary to be in union with God so that his life of grace can be there, then it starts to sound a little more concrete. Then it's not just human effort, but it's God's infusion of grace in your life as well. Uh, well, and when you consider, Timory, just how beautiful Jesus is, I mean, in him, we have the, the presence of our Father in heaven who's looking for us. The reason why he's our hope is because in him, we have all that we desire and long for 
is present and given to us in Christ. So we're called to live here below in this life of faith, which means of hope, which means I don't yet feel it. I don't see it. I, I feel like I don't have it. That doesn't matter because you might feel that way, which is true. And that's part of the cross that we bear. And yet we know that all that we long for is present in Jesus. So when we choose to cling to him anyway, despite what we're feeling or even what we're living on the inside, and one way or the other in our pain and our real suffering, that's there. But when we choose to lean in on him, we can say, I know that I, will, I have a redeemer and that my redeemer is present in the midst of this actions. And by living with him, I can overcome all things. And that's why we have hope inside of us because we have hope in Jesus. Jesus is our hope and he's the cause of our hope. Because think about what he is. Not only is he the son of the father, but he's also the savior who has carried us through and redeemed us from our sins, who has risen from the dead and now seats at the right hand of the father and has promised to bring us with him. So by hanging on to him, we can, we can find our way through the difficulties of life, but with this radiant love that will never leave us. He's in our hearts. And if he's in our hearts, then he can carry us through even the worst of things. You make me think about how often, Father, I'll hear people say, well, that's just wishful thinking. You know, maybe you grew up with a faith, you've always had faith, or you have some cause to believe in God, but you are just, you know, engaging in wishful thinking, and maybe you're a little naive, but if you want to go on thinking that way and live your life naively, go ahead, do it. What would your response be to that? Oh, I, I would point out to them, you know what, that type of negative thought <laughs> that you're showing right there, like, is that going to, is that going to make you any happier? You know, why would you, why would you, you curse someone who keeps hope alive in their heart? Wishful thinking? I'd say, well, you know what? Like, first of all, it's not because it's grounded in the truth of Jesus. He really overcame all death and all sin and all rupture and division and heartache. He has overcome it all. Now that people are like, well, then where's your Jesus now? And I would point out to them the stories of so many of the saints who show us at the end how they're glorified by Jesus. My father does not fail to keep his promises. And, and Jesus Christ is not going to fail to keep his promises because nobody's ever loved me more than him. And, and if you want to say that that's wishful thinking, I just like to say, you give me a better option. I mean, what you're going to tell me instead is that what? That I'm made of slime? I'm made, I'm made of mud? That my life has no purpose or meaning? That suffering can't be redeemed? I'm going to say, where's that going to bring you? That's going to bring you right to the, the doorway of despair in all kinds of different forms. I'm not going to choose to live that way, especially not when I know him. And then I would invite that same person who told me that. I'd say, I'd like to invite you to know Jesus. I think you're longing to know someone who's bigger than every reason you have for defeat. Every reason you have for defeat, there's someone who's bigger than it, who's more beautiful, and he's waiting for you. Because my gosh, I think hope in the end, Timory, is, is something that we get to share with other people. Mm. We get to really be able to witness to them to by leaning into Jesus that he is there for us. And it's just that, like we have to accept the fact that, yeah, we can't see it. We can't feel it all the time. But look at the lives of the saints and look at our hope we have laid up for us in heaven. 
And look at the beautiful, the beautiful life he gives us here below, even to live, even in the midst of our despair. I say it, the world doesn't have anything to compare with the beauty of the hope of the Christian. And I think hope is the resounding hymn behind the spirit of the season of Christmas. It's interesting. Christmas seems to start if you're at Costco in August, if you most places <laughs> by Halloween and you look at it, Father, you see the decorations, the food, the music, the movies, the generosity that's more prevalent in people's hearts, whether they go to church and practice Christianity or not, it's at the heart of what's happening in the season. They might not, they might not realize it, but when you see signs such as Jesus is the reason for the season, that really is why even if people aren't practicing real overtly religious elements to the Christmas season or whatever season they want to call it, it's there. He's right there at the heart of it, celebrating the light of Christ shining in that season. And people are like right on the cusp of him. All of art, all of music, all of the artistic side of movies and food is right there just drawing people in. And I think that this is a unique opportunity for us to offer that hope-filled next step for people of this is the reason why there is so much joy and hope and anticipation in you during this part of the year. And what a beautiful symbol for that, to have an Advent wreath in your home that you light. I mean, when you, when, when you light a candle, you overcome everything that is dark and everything that is cold about the world. It, it spreads a warm light. And that warm light of, our, of lighting that candle, the symbolism that you're doing, is you're saying that I am the candle, Christ is the light, and I am offering my life to, be, to bear witness to that beautiful light. There is, you know, I, I think of it this way. When we, when we say that Jesus is our hope, what we're telling the world is that there is a pathway out of war. There is a pathway out of poverty. There's a pathway out of abandonment and bullying and health you know, difficulties and death and sin. And, and, and what is that pathway? That pathway is Jesus, the Savior who was born for us. And, and we then, when we walk through that, those same valleys as our compatriots, we walk through them with hope in order to bear witness to them that they can have hope too in Jesus. So I do think that the Christmas holiday and everything you're talking about from Costco to music, it's an amazing moment to be a Christian. And I would encourage people to actually take advantage of that. And maybe it's time for me to call one of my friends who's addicted to heroin or call a friend who's had an abortion or calls a, a, a person who, who doesn't believe in God anymore. And maybe make that connection to them. Just say, can we just talk about how we can move forward together? Because in the midst of that, how we keep going and how we can make the world a better place, they're going to ask us how, and we can tell them about Jesus. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Relevant Radio. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. Father Nathan's talking about hope in this first day of the Advent season or first Monday of the Advent season. We're going to come back discussing the meaning of Advent. If you'd like to find more about Father Nathan, you can check him out at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. I'll be right back here on Trending. Our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Also coming up is the feast day of St. Nicholas, a great feast day, a great way to prepare for Christmas. So we'll have some ideas for how you can celebrate that feast day coming up on the 6th, but we'll discuss them today so that you can prepare not just for Christmas, but also for St. Nicholas Day.
season for Advent Music every day here on Trending. So prepare the way with us on Trending as we prepare the way for Christ. And with me, no better person than Father Nathan Cromley. Father Nathan is the founder and president of St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries. You can find his work at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. Father Nathan, you have been a huge inspiration for me in the Advent season. I first really started to understand the Advent season better in terms of a mini Lent in a certain respect many years ago when I started going on yearly Advent retreats with you. And I know you're fresh off of an Eagle Eye Ministries Advent retreat this weekend. I'd love to hear from you as you spent these last few days preparing the way with uh, many young adults for Advent. What is the meaning of this Advent season? What do we need to work on to be better in line with this great liturgical season that the church is offering us? Well, you know, the the trip I just did with Eagle Eye Ministries uh, is one we went out into the desert near San Diego. Uh, the literal desert, the Anza Borrego State Park, the largest state park in California. And we were eight miles away from the nearest road. Um, and, and in that environment, you, when you're in nothing but sand, rock, and some cacti, uh, <laughs> Something happened in the hearts of the young adults, and and I'd, I'd love to talk about that, especially because again, this is on trending. We're talking about you know our young people today and the young adult audience. And listen, w- what was so amazing was that in that environment, you had nothing but the chance to listen. We were not connected. We were not uh, on online. We were not distracted by anything, and you could open your hearts to listen to God who was basically shouting at us through nature. I mean, from, from the, the, the beauty of the light to the smells in the, of, the, of the desert, and then opened our hearts to then find each other and talk and make communion and real relationships with one another, in part because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> and, uh, but, but then also in part because it was just this grace of the simplicity of things. And I think that that's the grace of Advent. Why St. John the Baptist went out into the desert uh, in, in order to make known the way of the Lord? It's because there's a presence of God there where we're not distracted and where we can simply listen to the power of his word. And we saw those lives transformed. And I think that's the message for all of us, this church, this, this in the church this Advent. Guys, you've got to make some room for God. Time to read the Bible. Time to pray. Time to be alone with him in order to let in that silence, to let something new be born. And that's, of course, his promise to us in our hearts. And so the season is a good time for listening. That means cutting out some of the distraction. Now, a great way to do that, as you mentioned, is going out into the desert, completely disconnected from everything and uh, many people as well to connect better to Christ. But what would you say is the best way, as everyone's busy in the hustle bustle of the season, to see that meaning of Advent, and listen at this time? Well, I, I would recommend that everyone find a daily devotional during Advent. Yes. Uh, one of my employees gave me one that was just marvelous. It's like the little booklets you can get at churches or whatever. And you can get them, of course, on your apps. I wouldn't surprise me if Relevant Radio has it on we their do. app. Yes. Uh, look at that. I'll be darned. <laughs> you, you need, it's really like abundant, but it's the Word of God. That's the best preparation for Christmas, to read your Bible in that little way, from a daily devotional to your app and relevant radio to whatever app you want to use. But to find, I mean, it does not have to be long, 
but it needs to be regular. Uh, because at that moment, it's an encounter where God says, get ready that I'm, I'm coming. And so I, I, I think that, um, uh, the, the, from the word of God into a time of silence, even if it's small, when you light your little advent candle, for example, every day to have that encounter with God is essential because then in the regularity of it, God speaks to us and prepares us for the day that is to come. Of course, Christmas day. Something I've really enjoyed the last few years is slowly phasing into my Christmas decorations. And now this year, my daughter's almost three years old. And so we're phasing into it together. And her joy and her anticipation and excitement is so sweet. So there's a lot, I think, that's being done on the surface level, on the exterior of our homes, on the interior of our homes. But that interior, that's really what the season is all about. And all of the exterior decorations and preparation should be that reminder. Now, you mentioned a devotional, something I read a few years ago, and I'm picking up again this year is The Incarnation, Birth, and Infancy of Jesus Christ by St. Alphonsus Liguori. It has daily meditations during Advent. So I'm posting a link to that along with a couple of other great resources during Advent. But I love the Mass readings during the Advent season because it's preparing us for the end time, which is another type of preparation for Christ. Can you speak to the connection of how the meaning of the Advent season has a multifold meaning when it comes to preparation? Some of the church fathers put it this way. There are three advents, surprisingly. And of course, even when they're writing it, they say surprisingly, right? The first advent was the, was the advent coming of the coming of the Savior. So it's the advent that we're commemorating now. And it's, of course, the time of, in, when Jesus and Mary's womb and she's preparing to give birth to the Savior. And the whole world waits with breathless expectancy for the angels to emerge and proclaim glory to God in the highest because Jesus is born. The second advent is the advent that we're living now, which is the advent of the present moment, which means literally we, we are waiting every moment of our lives for Christ to come again in our death, right? And it's a personal way for us whenever we're preparing for our death, but it's also in the advent of the encounter of the, of the moment now, like looking for Jesus as we live each day, opening our eyes to look for him and to expect his coming in our life by grace. The third advent, though, is, of course, the great advent the church is living in her whole life, which is waiting for the return of Christ and the end of all things when he consummates all that we've lived in the whole history of the world in himself and presents the whole world to the Father, as it says in the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. So you've got the first advent of the birth of Christ, second advent, which is what we're living by his coming in grace, and the third advent of his coming at the end of time. In a way, you could therefore say, Timory, that that the season of Advent is really the season of the church's life because mm -hmm. we're waiting with hope for the glory that is promised to us that is coming in Christ. I love that. The season of Advent is a season of the church's life, of that waiting and anticipation for the coming of Christ. And I always am amazed, Father Nathan, when you read the Old Testament or you read even, or sorry, not the Old Testament, the New Testament, but many of the people who lived right after Christ, they thought the second coming of Christ was going to be imminent. They thought it was coming. They were preparing. They were living their lives as if he was coming back tomorrow or today. And I think that's a season, that's an anticipation that hopefully and joyfully needs to be lived out in our lives. And it's my hope that this Advent season can be that catalyst for us to live it throughout the rest of the year. 
you know, when people are afraid of the end of times or the end of the <laughs> world and all of that, it's usually, it, it can be indicative of a certain lack of realism about their, their union with Christ now. Because the end of the world is nothing more than the world being brought into the fullness of its sharing in Jesus Christ, where the Redeemer is manifested in all of his glory throughout human history and throughout all things. So it's a good thing that the world comes to an end. It's, it, what, what happens is the world comes not to an end, so to speak, but a, to a consummation. It comes to a, I mean, like a, it, it's found in Jesus in all of his splendor. And if you have that perspective, then it makes total sense because you're like, well, that's what I'm living now. I'm living each day to bring each day to Jesus and to bring Jesus into each day. And if I'm a friend of Christ, then I'm longing for the moment where he will be seen as God will be all in all, as it says in Romans. And, and, and I'm going to labor now in this day to make that as present as I can in everything that I'm living. So you, you, the realism of our Christian life, Timory, is that it's all about Jesus, that God is bringing the whole world to back to himself and giving us the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. And if I'm waiting for that to happen on a cosmic scale at the end of time, then I'm living it today by living my life in union with him, by living in grace and in the church. That's part of the reason why I love going to daily mass, because receiving the Eucharist, preparing to receive our Lord each day in the Eucharist, uh, really meditating upon that, that is such a season of, I think, preparation in adoration that is present in our lives when we're doing that, because that's how the church lives, right? The church lives liturgically. The church lives with Christ in the liturgy. And so why don't we do that? I think that's a great way to dive into the Advent season, but to see that preparation that our soul is always ready to receive him and that it's always anticipating him. What's, what's unique about it and what's uncomfortable for most folks is that we don't like waiting. <laughs> we we kind of want everything mm -hmm. to be right now, but yeah. there's a wisdom in the waiting. And the first one of the beautiful truths of God about why he makes us wait for glory instead of giving it to us right away is that he wants us to enter into glory instead of us trying to reduce glory into something we can control. He wants glory to control us instead of having us control glory. Because when glory controls us, we open ourselves to what is bigger than us, what's actually infinite, which is the glory that the Father gives to the Son and that he wants to give to us. It's just that that's hard because then we lose that control and we act like, well, it's, it's something we don't have. Well, the beautiful analogy of this is when St. Augustine was, was walking along the beach and he saw a young boy uh, digging a hole, taking a bucket, going to the ocean and then trying to pour the, the ocean into the hole. And he stopped and he asked the young man, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to fit the ocean into this hole. And St. Augustine said, well, boy, you can't fit the ocean into that hole. And the boy looked at him and said, well, neither can you fit your mind, the Trinity into your mind. Mm -hmm. And then he disappeared. And I would like to build on that and say, well, neither can we fit heaven into our soul. Instead, what we need to do is place our soul into heaven. And that's the, that's the beauty of what hope does for us. When I say I hope in God, I'm saying I'm hoping that God can do something in me infinitely greater than anything I could do on my own. And I surrender into his love for me 
And when I do that, all of heaven is mine. All that is in God becomes mine. It's just in a way that I can never hang on to or clutch. Now, the image of hope is an open hand. And you can take that open hand and you can touch it to a wall and you can move it up and down the wall. And when you do that, you're in communion with the wall and the wall's strength is given to you. But you can never clutch the wall and take it into your hand. You can only take your hand and put it under the wall. So it is with the mystery of Christ. And the beauty of that, the second point to that that's so advantageous is that means that our life is a life lived out in love, not in possessing and using You can't possess or use something greater than you. You can only love, admire, contemplate, and surrender to it. But when we do that, the poverty that we experience of not having is replaced by the joy of being able to surrender ourselves to something greater than ourselves. And that's the whole genius of Christianity, that we get to be poor. We get to be without. We get to wait. Because we're in communion with something that is going to encompass us, envelop us, transform us, and consume us eventually, the mystery of God. Father Nathan, as you're sharing this, it makes me think in many respects of Our Lady and how she is that symbol of the perfect anticipation of Christ, that perfect hope, that perfect union with God. We're coming up on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception here on December 8th, the Holy Day of Obligation, by the way, a great day to celebrate here right in the middle of the Advent season. And I can't help but wonder for you, how is Our Lady that symbol of a companion during Advent and preparing the way for Christ? Mary did not live an easy life. I just want to underscore this for everybody who realizes, <laughs> I know. And that's what makes me so like in love with Mary and why she's such a great yes. companion. I just was thinking about this today, Timory. Think about the fact that Jesus left her in the temple to look for him <laughs> for three days. You know, even Mary, she doesn't complain, right? She says Mary never complains. But she did say, why have you done this to us? Did you not see that we sought for you in sorrow? And I thought about that because I thought, was isn't that what so many of us experience? You're like, look, my daughter's been estranged from me, right? Like, and I, and I, all I want is to be with my daughter, yet she's been estranged from me by, you know, my ex or whatever it is. And you, you're full of sorrow, and you're like, how could God make me go through that? And, and then you find Mary saying, looking at you, saying, it's the same with me. I have walked on a pathway of sorrow and hardship. And yet, how did she, what did she do? She walked on that pathway. She sought for him in sorrow. She went from from, uh, Nazareth to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Egypt, Egypt to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Nazareth, Nazareth to Capernaum, Capernaum to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem to Turkey. (laughs) All in the 40 years of her life. This is like a lot of movement. St. Joseph was most likely taken away from her as she had to mourn his death. Then her son was ridiculed by the members of her own family. I mean, Mary at Thanksgiving, imagine that, you know, <laughs> it was no Thanksgiving, but can you imagine like, and her nieces and nephews are like, I don't believe in Jesus. No, I don't believe in Jesus. Cause it says right in John chapter seven, verse three, that her own kin did not believe in Jesus. Not only that, but they tried to kill him when she was with Nazareth and with him in Nazareth. And he, and he proclaimed the gospel to him, the people in his own town, which means her own kin, rose to throw him over the side of a cliff. 
And all of this, Mary uh, surrendered herself to the truth of God beyond what she could feel or beyond what she could control. She allowed the truth of God to control her. And what do I see in her? A valiant woman who never stopped loving, who never stopped trying, who never gave up on the light. And boy, do I ever need that in my own life. And I think all of us need this, this smile of Mary to say, I know what you're going through. I know how hard it is, but I'm telling you that Jesus is worth it and that he's with you even now. Hang on. Just hold on. Don't let go. God's light will be born in your heart. Just don't quit. Uh, her, her motherly, tenderly, tender love for us has no limit. And her strength in, in, in that is something we all need. And that's why I think she's the perfect companion for our own personal advents. As we wait for some glimmer of light, as we wait for some reconciliation in our lives, yep, we wait with Mary right beside us, holding our hand and teaching us to hold our heads high and to keep moving forward. It's a beautiful reminder of journey with Our Lady, being with Our Lady, seeing her as that model. Father Nathan, thank you so much for being with us today to give us hope and inspiration during this Advent season and have a greater understanding of the meaning of Advent so that we can prepare our lives for Him, His coming at Christmas, but ultimately that threefold coming that the church is anticipating. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That's been Father Nathan Cromley. You can find him at stjohninstitute.org. That's stjohninstitute.org. Thank you for being with us today, Father Nathan. We'll be right back here on Trending to discuss St. Nicholas Feast Day coming up in just a couple of days. How to prepare for this feast day to bring some fun into your home, your family, nieces, nephews, godchildren, your own children. Or even, hey, you don't have to have children around. A way to mark a great saint's life in your home. We'll be right back here on Trending. Trending as we prepare the way for Christ at Christmas, enjoying this liturgical season of Advent. Speaking of Advent, we have a lot of really great feast days in the midst of the Advent season, one of which coming up is St. Nicholas Feast Day on December 6th. Now, did you know that St. Nicholas and Santa Claus are the same person? If you didn't, it's a good time to get a little educated, or if you have kids in your family, whether they're nieces, nephews, godchildren, your own kids, it's a good time to help draw that connection, showing how Christmas is Catholic 
with all the traditions that are even taken into secular culture. So again, that St. Nicholas Santa Claus connection is so important. And I hope that you will embrace that in the Christmas season. We love to celebrate St. Nicholas and Santa Claus, and we celebrate them twice, both on December 6th. And he is so generous in bringing gifts to children coming up on Christmas Day. And I'll, I'll just kind of make some connections here. I think, first of all, making the connection between the real person of St. Nicholas and his life and how he continues to live with Christ in heaven and how much he loved God and helped people and how that inspired him to give gifts of people two people out of love for Christ. These are great stories to tell. And if you don't know about the life of St. Nicholas, don't worry. On St. Nicholas's feast day, December 6th, I will be sharing much of his story. He is a great saint from the myth to the legend to the real facts. He's a great person to dive into. And one tradition I love in our home is that if you have an elf on the shelf, well, I have culturally appropriated it into my Catholic faith. And that elf on the shelf, I don't know if you know this, but the elf on the shelf in our house arrives on St. Nicholas' feast day because St. Nicholas visits our home. Last year, what happened, I'll share with you a little bit about what happened on our in our home on St. Nicholas Feast Day is everyone either got a new pair of shoes or some new socks. And that was pretty exciting. Uh, We also, one of the things I love is I love the company's shining light dolls. And so this will be the third year in a row I had some little shining light doll for my daughter. I think the first year, because this will be her third Christmas. First year was a Guadalupe doll from St. Nicholas, then a St. Paul last year. And then this year, because they were out the last couple of years. I tried to get a St. Nicholas doll. I actually have a St. Nicholas doll from Shining Light Dolls this year. So those are some of the fun, neat things. You can find Shining Light Dolls online. I'll post a link on social media. They're also at a lot of the great Catholic uh, bookstores and shops now out there. I've seen them more frequently of late. They have so many neat products. We just took out last night. We were doing a little bit of Advent decorating. And so we took out the very like hands-on Montessori-esque advent wreath specifically for kids there's no legit fire and matches uh, but you can actually like put little candle lights on top of the candle so we took that out last night along with a book on uh, uh, stories each day for the 24 days leading up to christmas from ignatius press i'll link to that in the episode notes as well because these are great resources but coming back to saint nicholas feast day so last couple years what i've done has been either books or shoes coming from St. Nicholas, and also a shining light doll. This year, I'm incorporating a little bit more because my daughter loves to help bake now. One of the traditions on St. Nicholas's feast day in many parts of Europe has actually historically been to bake gingerbread cookies, and you can decorate them if you want, and they're often shaped in the shape of St. Nicholas. So, gingerbread cookies. You can buy them. You can bake them. That's a great and easy thing to do on St. Nicholas Feast Day, a neat thing uh, for you to do whether you have kids or don't have kids. These are fun traditions and you don't have to have children to incorporate them. You can enjoy them on your own or maybe you have some nieces, nephews, or godchildren. This is something I'm starting to work on in our season of life of, you know, my kids kind of get my three-year-old, almost three-year-old, some of these things, but I have nieces and nephews who can start to enjoy some of these and especially, you know, find, for me, I'm trying to figure out what does it, 
What does it look like to practice being a godparent as well? I think those are things that maybe we don't always think about that uh, might be neat traditions to incorporate. And if you're ever looking for some neat inspiration, there's the book, The Catholic All-Year Compendium by Kendra Tierney. I highly recommend. I'll post the link on social media as well as the episode notes. It's liturgical living for real life, and it has so many fun and neat things you can incorporate into your home. And I think St. Nicholas is one of the best in funnest ways to do that. So here are some things that you can try out on St. Nicholas Feast Day. Just more ideas that I think are great, you know, give or take, but just to consider. Um, some people put their shoes and stockings out for St. Nicholas to fill. I heard that there's some St. Nicholas chocolate going around this year, so that'll end up in our house. That was from Shining Light Dolls as well that we'll be using. Uh, some people use different types of candies and books. And by the way, I was asking my daughter, I hadn't really thought to ask her what she wanted for Christmas because she doesn't really like think about wanting things she doesn't already have like in the house like out of sight out of mind still thankfully unless it's in our home like the, the refrigerator is a huge symbol for her of dates she loves dried like the dates the really sugary dates and i kid you not first thing Every morning, that's what she asks for and what we fight over as to whether or not she can have one before or after breakfast. Uh, but so I was asking her, you know, what do you want for Christmas? I thought to ask her that for the first time today. And she looked at me. She said, I want Christmas books. She is already wrecked. She loves Christmas. It's so cute. She must know that it is her season because she is born on the 20th and my other is born on the 28th. And she has been asking for Christmas music and Christmas movies. And we don't even watch movies. How she would know to ask for a Christmas movie like that? I don't know. She just watches like a little bit. But it was really cute that she gets this theme of the season. And so she asked for Christmas books. So I'm pretty sure that St. Nicholas will be bringing her some Christmas books on St. Nicholas Feast Day, given that she was so excited for that. So I need to scramble here or maybe pull the ones out of storage that she might not remember quite yet. Um, some other things that can be really fun on the season. You can actually, so last year what we did is that was actually the day we took out our stockings. So I actually put all of the little goodies inside of the stockings and we took the stockings out the night before. So this is a great reminder for me because I've not done it yet. I need to put a note somewhere that I need to take out my stockings tomorrow because we fit phase into our Christmas and Advent decorations. Um, there are tons of other great ideas, uh, some ideas from Catholic All Year with uh, Kendra Tierney is she actually uses it as a day to make mulled wine, which is also known as Bishop's Wine. You can do it with wine. You can do it with uh, the kosher version for kids of apple cider with cinnamon stick. But these are great days as well for writing letters to Santa and visiting Santa as well. Maybe that's your picture day for uh, Santa Claus. I've not done that yet. I think we went to Santa's Village once a few years ago, not at Christmas time, and did pictures with Santa. But maybe it is the year to uh, attempt a St. Nicholas Day or Santa Claus photo. We'll have to add that to the ideas. But those are some, I think, really great ways to, especially whether you have kids or not, to make these days fun, to bring the reality of our Catholic faith home with memories of Christmas. And this is what I've been looking forward to with my own kids. It's what I enjoyed growing up. Some of my favorite, favorite days of the year uh, were actually specifically some of the feast days that were marked. And one of them in particular was 
St. Patrick's Day because there were so many fun celebrations incorporation of the leprechauns, incorporation of the story of St. Patrick, that it just brought to life the faith in a culture so hungry for celebration in Christ. Now, if you're Catholic, you know that going to Mass is the best way to celebrate any liturgical event. For example, that's why it's a holy day of obligation coming up on the 8th as we'll celebrate the Immaculate Conception. I'll throw out some ideas later in the week for how to maybe mark that with a little bit more than looking at Mass as an obligation, but a way to mark it with maybe some fun foods and celebrations in your home. For me, I love to decorate my Christmas tree and white roses. And so we have to get our Christmas tree before uh, the 8th because I like to just put the white roses in there for a symbol of the Immaculate Conception on the 8th. So that's one way, again, to start to phase into those Christmas decorations, phasing into these fun things of saints and stories leading up to Christ, people who loved Christ and can help us to celebrate this season. So those are some tips for celebrating St. Nicholas Feast Day. This will be an episode available on the podcast. If you want to share it with someone as well, just head over to relevantradio.com slash trending to catch this podcast it'll be available soon coming up next is a family rosary across america this is timory from trending with timory kick off this first week of advent with me as we journey to bethlehem and the birth of jesus christ by preparing the way within our hearts here on trending we will dive each day into a topic preparing us for the coming of christ Tuesday, we'll discuss what is the Advent wreath and we'll unpack the theological significance of the Advent wreath and the necessity of hope. Join me daily, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.